0: Welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. A little background on, on the book is that Paul is, in fact, in chains. He is in house, on house arrest in Rome awaiting trial when he wrote this letter to the, the people in Philippi. And we're going to find some interesting things about the heart of Paul as we walk through this. We're going to see some interesting things about his state of mind and where he is at as he is walking through this journey and writing this letter. It's pretty impressive what we see. But let me challenge you to do something over these next few weeks. I want to encourage you to take time to slowly read through the book of Philippians. Take time to slowly read through the book of Philippians. Now, there's only four chapters. It would take no time at all for you to sit down to read through it or to even pull out your Bible app and hit play and let that really cool British-sounding guy read it to you uh, while you drive. In fact, that's okay to do as well, and I do it quite often. But let me challenge you to take a little bit of time over these next few weeks. This week, read, read chapter one and chapter two a few times through and just really begin to get the book of Philippians in your heart and really begin to get the words of Paul to the church in Philippi in your heart as we walk through this. This will be... Uh, a lot of fun as we kind of process through the words of Paul and what he's saying and, and things that we can learn from Paul as we go through this. I, I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to the opportunity to share um, kind, of, kind of what I think Paul was trying to say and trying to get a, across to the, his original audience and, and the people of Philippi. So there's something that I picked up on this. And how many of you know these people that are always joyful. They are the glass is half full all the time. They never have a down moment. They are always encouraging and upbeat and excited about life, right? We know those people. Lauren and I have a friend. Her name is Valerie, and Valerie is always always positive. We, we joke and laugh, Lauren and I do, about Valerie and the fact that nothing gets her down. You go, uh, this is like a terrible day in your life, and yet you're finding the positive outcome, right? She's just no matter what. Yesterday, for instance, was her son's 11th birthday party, and our oldest son was invited. And if y'all remember back to yesterday, it was raining just a smidge. Uh, you know, I think we had just a little bit of rain, and it was it was a downpour, and it was awful. And so she sends out like the sweetest text, like, well, because of the beautiful weather that we're having today, we're going to have to reschedule. We're looking forward to seeing you guys at the later event at the later time, and it 's like the most positive twist on an awful day and i 'm going, man alive, I would, be, I would be upset because of you know it 's a birthday party for a child, and, and beyond that, more importantly, she had spent a lot of time planning who cares about the happiness of her children right? She invested a lot of time in planning this whole video scavenger hunt event that they were going to do for this birthday party. And she's going, well, we'll just reschedule it later. And she's happy. And obviously she was more disappointed in the fact that her son's birthday party was being rescheduled, but just always positive. And we know these people and we see these people. And sometimes those people annoy us, especially at about, you know, nine in the morning when you're just getting to your desk and you're going, Hey, can I just wake up for a moment? you know, we're just getting here. Let me settle, and you're a chipper. Slow it down, right? I feel like Paul may have been one of those people. Now, there are moments where Paul has to address things, and he's firm, and he's strong, but yet, in spite of his situation, in spite of the chains he's in, Paul is filled with joy. And so I almost wonder, he's there with Timothy, and we'll read that just in just a moment, and I almost wonder if Timothy's going, dude, be down for one moment, please. I feel bad for you. You know, I don't know. There's no r- record of that conversation ever taking place. But, but if, if I'm Timothy, I'm going, aren't you upset about this in the least bit? Like, aren't you down? But we find that Paul is full of joy. He's full of joy. And, 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 and to the point, like I said, probably of, of frustration for others, but, but we can learn a lot from the, the position that Paul is taking through his imprisonment as he's walking through this. So the background and understanding of why is Paul in prison in the first place? See, Paul is in prison for the case of Jesus, right? Because of the gospel. But, but more than that, he's, he's in, in prison because of spreading the gospel to the Gentiles or the non-Jews uh, of that time. And, and, and so here he is writing a letter to Gentiles, the people of Philippi, and he's joyful uh, in, in his approach in the letter that he's taken. Here's what I'm learning as we read through this. And the big idea for today would kind of be this thought. It would be true fellowship leads to an unbreakable joy. True fellowship leads to an unbreakable joy. And as we look through the beginning of of, of chapter one here, as we walk through this, we will see what true Christian fellowship looks like, what it truly means to have fellowship with other believers. So as we get started, keep that in mind as we walk through this this morning. So what's the secret to his joy, right? Obviously, it's the fellowship with the believers, but one of the things we find is that Paul is single-minded in his focus, His focus is on Christ and the gospel being spread, right? It's just Jesus and people knowing Jesus, right? That is his focus. That is his direction. That is where he's walking through. In fact, in the first chapter of of Philippians, the word Christ, the name Christ is used 18 times and gospel is used another six times. So Paul's focus is very very clear even as he's expressing his joy in his fellowship with the people of Philippians but, or, or the Philippians and Paul is is expressing this uh, as as he walks through and there's something that we have to understand as it as it pertains to fellowship. We use the word fellowship in church all the time, right? It's going to be great fellowship. Come on over going to have a great time of fellowship together. And we you typically use the word fellowship to, to mean like uh, community and, and conversation and hanging out. And, and that's a good, I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a good use. It's a common use for the word fellowship, right? We, uh, a lot of times if you play golf and you're not very good, you'd be like, well, it was a great time playing golf today, or at least it was good fellowship, right? Yeah, that's, that's a common thing. You're like, we had a lot of fun, being bad at something, right? You know, that kind of deal. Or we have people over, usually fellowship in the church world basically refers to pie and coffee. Like, all right, we're gonna to come together and have fellowship. But Like, is it gonna be pumpkin or apple? Like, what are we working with here, right? You know, that's kind of the mindset. But the word fellowship, in fact, actually means to have something in common, to have something in common. And so as Paul writes to the people in, in, in Philippi, that what, what do they have in common? But they have the grace of Jesus, right? They have, they have salvation and are walking together in this salvation together. So here we are laying groundwork as we get to the text. I promise we will read, in fact, from the book of Philippians uh, in its coming. So, so as we keep that in mind, Understanding that the fellowship, meaning they have something in common, so Paul's fellowship has to do with their relationship with Jesus, Jesus being that central focus and connecting point, being where the joy springs forth from through the fellowship that he has with them, understanding the connection that they have in Jesus. So let's get started. We'll read verses one through eleven uh, today is where we're going to work from. And so it says this: Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to stop for just a moment there. So here we see the the traditional type greeting from Paul. When you see writings of Paul, he always uh, usually it's grace and peace. Uh, you know, Paul, the servant of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we have Paul and Timothy, and he's, he's, that's used a couple of other times in, in different writings of Paul, where Timothy is his kind of his protege who's walking with him, learning from him, being discipled and built up and mentored, right? And we see that later on as he writes to him in First and Second Timothy, we see more of that. And so we have our, our, our typical greetings, and he's saying to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus, one of the things that we'll find that is a, a, a constant in the book of Philippians is Paul is very strategic in his inclusive language. He wants to make sure that no one is left out, nobody is left alone in, in, or, or, or forgotten through his writing. He, he adores the people in Philippi and so he's very inclusive in his language so that they understand he's writing to all of them. So verse three. or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness, that comes through Christ to the glory and praise of God. There's a lot there. And we're gonna do our best to not go word by word, line, line, line by line here. We are going to try to capture the main ideas of each verse as we walk through this. Um, it, we won't make it through the entire first chapter of Philippians today because I told Lauren as I was writing the notes, I said, if we were to go through the whole first chapter I think we'd have 40 pages of notes and that wouldn't work out well. So we had to reduce it to 11 verses. So we'll do that. So the first thing is this fellowship is expressed through thanksgiving, through thanksgiving. Paul, the very first thing he says, things he says in verse three, he says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. He's thankful just even for the thought of them, the, the, the reminding of them that he has. But I wanna focus just briefly for a moment on the phrase, my God. And Paul intentionally or unintentionally is giving us a reminder that our relationship with the Lord is a personal relationship. That God is not this far off deity that wants nothing to do with us because He's too busy running the world and, and overseeing the cosmos and all the universe and everything. No, no, God is a personal God. He longs for us to find just to take ownership of Him to say, "No, that is my God. That is my God." In the sense of, uh, there's there's times where you see people that become offended when people say things uh, offensive to Jesus or about Jesus. They say, "No, no, 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 you can't say that. That's my God." I hold personal what you're saying and I hold personal that God in my heart and in my life. And he's saying, I thank my God. It's that reminder that our relationship with the Lord is a personal walk with the Lord. Our relationship with the Lord is a personal connection with God. And then the other side of that is understanding the thankful side of the verse. What we find is this, the, the word that is being used for thankfulness in the Greek is a word for gratitude that is used to mean being thankful for a blessing. Thankful for a blessing. And so, so Paul is saying, I thank God for you as a blessing. You people are a blessing to me. You people are a blessing in my life. You are a blessing in my world. And I thank God even when I remember you because of the blessing that you are to me. And that brings joy, right? And we find Paul, here we are again. Paul is in chains. Paul is awaiting trial. Paul is, is sitting, uh, waiting for the moment when he goes before the guards and, and goes before the courts in, in Rome and, and, and hears his sentencing and whatever, whatever the outcome may be. And he is waiting for that moment and even in that moment, he finds time to say, I thank God for you people in, in, in Philippi. I thank God even when I just remember you because of the blessing that you have been in my life. The true Christian fellowship begins with thankfulness for those around us. The thankfulness for those around us. We need to learn to be thankful for our church family. We need to learn to be thankful for one another. We need to learn to to always be thankful for the relationships that we have within these walls. That's a vital part in in a growth and in a healthy church is being thankful for the people that we have to our left and to our right, the people that are surrounding us. Lauren and I are, are, as many of you know, walking through a remodel in our house right now. We are uh, working through this process and, and doing most of the work ourselves uh, just to you know, to save as much as we can, to to go as far as we can with our money, to to make this happen, right? So we're doing a lot of this work, and I have never been more thankful for people uh, than I have been over the last couple of weeks when people have come to help us and to work. Chris Thompson. Uh, has been a huge blessing to us Uh, in more ways than he even knows. So Chris came out one day and he helped us to frame up a a door and to frame up some walls and, and get things ready so I could come in and put up sheetrock. But beyond that, Chris left his tools with me by accident because he was planning on coming back the next day, but he got sick. And so then I've had tools now that I don't own that I wouldn't be able to go out and just buy right now because over the years, Chris has accumulated more tools than Home Depot. And so I have the opportunity to use, and it's been wonderful. Chris has been a huge blessing to us over these last couple of weeks so that we can accomplish more. And so understanding that, that what Paul's sentiment is, is this thankfulness and this gratitude for a blessing that is, the family that is the church that he's a part of, you know, that he's connected to. And, and that, that list goes on and on. There are several others, but, but, but understanding how thankful I am for our church family as we have walked through this process, as we have gotten closer and closer and, and keep praying for us because we are, we are getting closer every day. But understanding a thankfulness, understanding and having a thankfulness for the people around you, being thankful for the blessings that they are. Here's what I've learned in church you are not going to get along with every person. There are personality differences that just don't line up sometimes, right? And we love them, right? But understanding to be thankful even for those people that you go, ugh, and saying, okay, you know what? God has a purpose for them. God has a reason for them. They're in this church because they provide something the church needs. And learning to be thankful even for the people that you look at and go, Why are you here? You know what? Because God loves them, and therefore he has a purpose for them. He has a plan for them. So we can be thankful for all people, learning to be thankful for our family in the church. So the second thing is this. Fellowship is expressed through prayer. In verse 4, it says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. I always pray with you. Again, noticing Paul's inclusive language. In all my prayers for all of you, remembering every person, he's saying, one, I'm thankful for each and every one of you. I'm thankful for every one of you in this church. Second of all, I'm praying for every one of you. I'm praying for every one of you. But he prays with joy. How many of you know that it is a wonderful feeling knowing that someone is praying for you? I mean, you walk through difficult situations, you walk through hard moments and somebody says, hey, I've been praying for you. And you go, man, it's a good thing because I don't know if I would have made it this far had you not been praying for me. I know that there are several times in my life where I can look back and go, I know for a fact that I have people praying for me because it sustained me and allowed me to carry on. How many of you know that there are times in your own life when you go, I don't even have it in me to pray for myself right now? right? We have those moments and being real and honest where you go, man, I don't feel it right now. I don't know that I can go and pray. I am struggling and I am in the depths right now. And it's when you, in those moments where we rely on and need the prayers of others to sustain us and to build us up and to lift us up and to carry us on. There are times in in my life where I know for a fact that I am being strengthened by the Holy Spirit through the prayers of others, because I know my prayers are, are very, very short and, and, you know, and, and not carrying a lot of weight in those moments sometimes. And seeing that, that through other people that God is using them to, to encourage me, to build me up through their prayers. And here's what, here's what Paul's saying. He said, man, when I pray with you, I'm filled with joy for the opportunity to pray with you. I'm filled with joy because I stop. I get to remember you and I get to say, oh God, thank you for these people. And as he begins to pray, he says, I pray with joy with this excitement, with the love that pours out as, as he begins to pray and lift up, he realizes and understands that it is better for him to give prayers than to receive prayers and being, able, being, being outside of himself as he prays. Now we've all heard the, the, the phrase, it's better to give than to receive, right? We're not far from Christmas. And my wife is not just a fan of Christmas. If Christmas was a football team, She would have the jersey of every reindeer. She would have like face paint uh, and like foam fingers pointing number one for Christmas. Like, woo, Christmas, right? She would be that person. She would have her car wrapped in like the Christmas team logo in red and green and gold colors. Like she would be that person. She would have like Christmas spinners on her wheels. Like it would be hardcore, decked out, fanatic, of Christmas, I wish I could joke about setting up our tree on the first day of November, but it wouldn't be a joke. It would just be a fact. <laughs> it's not happening this year because we don't own a tree yet. Because uh, we had to get—just kidding. That really did happen one year, only because of the fact that we didn't live in a home yet, and so the next year she was like, "I'm putting my tree up early, right?" But here let me tell you this: Me for you know, like now that I've laughed at her expense, right? Her favorite part of Christmas, and I'm not, I'm not saying this just to say this, is giving. That is her favorite part. She loves to see the expression on our boys when they receive their gifts and they're opening their presents. It is like the most joyful moment for her. She wakes up before they do, so that, I'm not making this up, so that she doesn't miss it, so that she can get it on film. And like, she's like videoing these kids. I say film, we don't use film anymore. I'm not talking about it, it's all digital, Right? <laughs> Just, you know. We have to put some like, like saloon music behind it on the piano. He goes, okay. He goes, anyways, it's all black and white. And, and he goes, Okay, I'll just stop. I'll just. But our favorite moment on Christmas morning is watching our boys walk out and being there before them and saying, what did you get? Like she doesn't know, right? But, but it's that exciting moment of whoa, look what you got, you know? It is that awesome feeling that she, she's the same way with her sisters, she's the same way with her mom. She loves to give, she loves to give. That is her favorite part of Christmas, the decorating and all of that, yes, she enjoys that, she enjoys the music, she enjoys the, the like, you know, all of the, the, the Christmas foods and everything that, yes, we, you know, she loves all that the holiday has in, in the celebration of Jesus at the forefront, but she loves to give. I think Paul is is, is, is exemplifying that for us in the way he's praying for others. He's saying, I find joy when I pray for you, when I remember all of you in my prayers, every single one of you. I go down the list, I'm working through it. And you know, I almost wonder if he's like, if you could, please keep sending me an updated roster of everybody at church so I can continue to pray for all of them as well, right? I feel like that's the way Paul is because he's like, I'm so joyful, I'm so excited in the moment when I get to pray for every single one of you. He's, you know, he says, I thank my God when I remember you. So he's on Paul, they're on Paul's mind. And he said, but beyond that, you're in my prayers. And it is a joyful thing. Even in the midst of my circumstance, even in the chains that I'm in, I find joy in praying for you because of the fellowship we have and the relationship that we each share with Jesus and that combining factor saying we, we, we have this commonality. And because of that, I find joy in being able to pray for you. I find joy in being able to pray for you. Verse five and six says this because of your partnership. So he says, he says, I pray with all joy, comma because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So the third thing is this: fellowship is expressed through faith. Fellowship is expressed through faith. How many of you remember back in science class and you had lab, right? You had had lab and you had to get a lab partner. Now, there are different criteria for picking your lab partner, right? If you are interested in the cute girl in class, right, that would be one criteria to go like, okay, that's who I want to be my my lab partner. Maybe she'll notice me for the first time in my life ever. You know, that kind of situation, right? So you're like, Scoping it out like, yep, lab partner. And then it doesn't happen. You go, oh, okay, never mind. Other criteria, a lot of times, is going, okay, I'm struggling in class. I need to find the smartest kid in class to be my lab partner. Because you go, maybe I don't know the answers, maybe I don't have a clue, but they do. They know the answers and they have a clue. So if I partner with them, I feel confident that what I'm trying to accomplish, which would be to raise my grade, would would be, uh, you know, it would be prudent for me to join up with them so that I could see my grades increase. Now, I will say this. When I was in science, that was kind of my thing as far as class goes. That was was where I excelled. I remember uh, being a freshman in biology in the first six weeks, I got my report card and my grade was 106. And I was like, I did better than 100%. Don't know how I did it. And it was an awesome semester. My average for that semester was 101. I was like, man, if that was my temperature, I wouldn't have to go to school. And, uh, but, it's the way my mind works anyway, so. But you try to find that partner. And Paul is saying this, he's saying, listen, I, I pray with joy because of the partnership. So understand this about the, the partnership that, that Paul is, is speaking about. He's saying the partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So what he's seeing is, and what he's saying is, is this, listen, I have joy when I pray for you because I know the partnership in the gospel that we share. He's saying, because I'm in chains, I'm unable to go out and preach the gospel. I'm unable in this moment to go and share Jesus with other people, yet you are continuing." Continuing to do the work that, that God has called us to do together. He said, we've created this partnership in, in the gospel. And he's like, I'm filled with joy because evidently it's still going on. It's still happening. The church is still advancing. People are still knowing Jesus and finding Jesus because of this incredible partnership that we have. We also find that, that the church in, in Philippi was one of the first churches, if not the first church, to support Paul in his missionary journeys, Right. And so he, they were one of the first churches to, to financially help carry and sustain Paul through the ministry that he was, he was doing. And so we see these going, thank you for our partnership. Because of you, we're able to carry the gospel forward because see the church in Philippi understood the broader vision and the bigger vision. They grasped it, they got it. And he's going, listen, it's not just about the people in Philippi. This is greater than that. This is about reaching the rest of the world. And he says, thank you for that. Thank you for that. And then he says, and this is where it gets really good. Not what I'm saying, but the verse, hear me. Yeah. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is, this is a good place to stop and interject some theology and some doctrine here because I think it's so, so right. First of all, the good work being done in us is not our good works, right? We are not saved by the works that we do. Our good works do not carry us on to salvation, yet it is the work of God that allowed us to then have salvation. And so what he's saying is this, that that the work that is being done in you is an ongoing, continual process that is being worked on until completion of the day of the return of christ jesus meaning the second return the second coming of christ and then the rapture of the church and all those things so what we're finding is paul is saying listen the work that was began in you is not finished just because you had the salvation experience in that moment where you received christ There is an ongoing continual process, and I've used the word before, but sanctification, right? And Paul is saying, the God who began the work in you, he who started it, is faithful. He's faithful, meaning that he is not going to stop or forget or drop the ball. He is going to be consistent and consistent and consistent, continually pushing us and prompting us and pulling us to completion, not letting us stay in one place, not letting us be satisfied with the status quo, not letting us be satisfied with where we are in our walk. How many of you would know and and would recognize and say, I have areas in my life that I know I need to be better. There are things in my heart that need to be worked on. There are thoughts in my mind that need to be changed. There are actions that I do. There are areas of self-control I need to work on. There are things of that nature. As, as you grow and as you recognize that the Holy Spirit allows us to see those things and to be prompted then and pushed into a, a greater growth and a greater and a deeper walk with Christ. And he's saying, he who began that work, the one who who... who First of all, brought salvation, right? We are drawn to the Lord by the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit draws us then into this moment and is recognizing in this need of repentance. The one who draws us to that moment is faithful then to continue to push us and pull us into a deeper and a greater walk and an understanding of who the Lord is. And he kind of continues that later on in, in, in what we're gonna read through and talk about. But he's saying, I, I thank God for the partnership that we have in the gospel and the work that is continuing even while I'm in chains and beyond that, the one who started this good work is faithful to complete it. You could even take that and say, maybe Paul is saying this. Maybe he's saying this this outreach endeavor that you are on, this reaching the lost endeavor that you are working towards, God who started this and placed it in your heart is faithful and he will continue to see this work done. He will continue to see this work done. So it's not our good works. It's he who began the good work. God is the one who starts the good work. He is the one doing it. It is his good work that brings us salvation. It is his good work that pushes us into reaching the lost and pushes us into greater things. God is the one who is faithful to complete it as we are the ones who need to be obedient and willing to trust and follow. The next thing is this, the fellowship. Fellowship is expressed through love. Let's start with verse seven and eight. It said, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And we'll pause for a moment right there. It said, it's right for me to feel this way about you. How many of you know that when you have someone in your heart that you love dearly, it is right for you to get excited about them, right? That's a natural, that should be a natural response to saying, okay, you're in my heart, I love you dearly, I see what you're doing, I'm excited I find myself filled with joy because of what you're accomplishing. You, you share in that. You think about your children. How many of you get so excited when you watch your children accomplish something new or do something great? You know, even even from, from the beginning, like as, as a baby, and, and they're growing, and at first they start making little like noises, and you're like, oh, oh do you see what she's doing? Did you see that? She went, oh. Right? You know, and it's like a big moment. And you, you're filled with joy because you have that child in your heart, and they start to walk. It's the same thing. And you're like, Whoa, you, know, you, you film that. Again, film, there's no film, right? You, you video that. I don't know why that's my thing, I say it. But, and we have, we have footage of our kids you know, taking steps and going, whoa, this is a big moment, right? And you get so excited and you're filled with joy for them and you're going, wow, this is awesome, this is incredible because you have them in your heart. It's right for you to feel that way. And Paul's saying the same thing. It's right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. This is how it should be. He says, whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. So he's saying, forget everything around me. Forget the situation I'm in. Forget the chains that I'm bound by. Forget the, the, the trial I'm awaiting. Forget all of that. Even if I was outside of the walls, a free man sharing the gospel, defending the faith, even if that's where I was, I could still be excited simply because of the fact that you and I share in the grace of Jesus Christ. That's something to, to look at and get excited about, to say, you know what? No matter what happens moving forward, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm going through, whether it's a high or a low in my life, I can be excited for the fact that I'm surrounded by and friends with other believers who are, are sharing in the grace of Jesus Christ with me. Paul's going, it's right for me to feel this way. I hold you in my heart and we share Jesus together. I can be excited for that. And the verse eight says this. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. The affection of Christ Jesus. Here's what I've found about love. Love is the evidence of our salvation. So they will know that we know him by our love. Love is the evidence of our salvation. See, when we receive Christ, when we have Christ, all of a sudden there, is a, there begins to be a shift and a change in our heart towards others, right? as we grow in Christ, as we grow in our understanding of who Jesus is, as our love abounds in us, as his love abounds in us, right? It becomes an outpouring and an overflow so that others can look at us and see how we love not just one another, but how we love others outside of the walls, how we welcome new people in, how people can see the love of Jesus reflected in our actions in our thoughts and our words and the way we deal with others. They can go, there's something different about how you love. You see, because love is the evidence of our salvation. We received a God, we received Christ because of a God who loved us. Because God loved us, therefore we can have salvation. I've talked about how how Paul uses very inclusive language. He uses the phrase you all nine times in the book of Philippians and again, trying to make sure that it is this inclusive mindset because of his love for each and every one of them not wanting to exclude anyone, not wanting to leave anybody out, but the love that Paul has for them because of the love of Christ in him, we begin to see this outpouring and this overflow to others and to everyone to make sure that even if there's new people in in the community in Philippi, in the church in Philippi, even if there's new, he wants them to know I love you as well. Because of the love of Christ in me, I love you as well. So how do we walk in this love? I think the main thing to understand is that uh, it's, it's not our love channeled through Christ, but it's Christ's love channeled through us. And that's an important, uh, an important understanding to have because if we are trying to force our love through an avenue and an understanding of, of who Jesus is and trying to filter our love through him, we are imperfect people. Therefore, our love will never come across as pure and as right and in, in the correct motives. But if in turn we say, I'm gonna take the love of Jesus and filter it through me so that it is coming out as the love of Christ, there's a shift and a change. So, so, so what are ways, how do we know the affection of Paul is, is, is true and right? The first thing is this, he's, he's writing him this because from in chains. He's saying, even in my situation, I want you to know I love you. I think you're. I think you're wonderful. I think you're awesome. I'm thankful for you. So even in his chains, and he he also makes the statement of saying, even you know, because of all of this, the gospel is still going forward because of the work happening. As you read the rest of Philippians chapter one, you see me saying, everybody here knows who I am and they know why I'm in my chains. They know I'm in the chains because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and because of that, even in my situation, the gospel is still going forward. And so I don't care about all of that. I just want you to know that I love you because it's still happening even from my situation. Let me read this in verses nine and through 11. It says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God, Paul understands that love is the vital part of our walk with Christ. Again, it's the evidence of our salvation. Paul himself says, "Now these three remain: faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love." It'd be easy for us to want to think and say and go, "Okay, well, faith should be the greatest because we are saved by faith. Uh, you know, you know, it, it is our faith in Christ, right?" And he's saying, "No, nope, beyond that." The greatest of these is love. There's a lot of people who claim Jesus and and say that they love Jesus, yet it is not evidenced by the love they have for others, right? And Paul is saying, listen, you may know Jesus, you may have a relationship with Jesus, but if you don't have love, then you're not gonna be effective in communicating the love of Jesus to other people. The gospel will not be carried on. He says the greatest of these is love. He understands the vital aspect of the love now the part of the prayer that i, I want to hone in on is verse 11 it says and you pray is that that they will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through jesus christ to the glory and praise of god that word filled um, is a greek word that means made to completion uh full to capacity so to speak uh, a completed process and so we have this word, he's saying, I pray that you be full of the fruit of righteousness. Now righteousness, we are made righteous by Christ, right? When we receive, it's that, that justification moment. We, are, we, we take on the righteousness of Jesus. We are clothed in his righteousness, right? And we, we all are probably fairly aware of that, that statement and that understanding. So we are made righteous by him because apart from Christ, we are unrighteous, right? It is sin that separates us. But in Christ, we are then made righteous, he says, so that comes through Christ. He says, but I want you to be full of the fruit of righteousness. This goes back to what he was saying in verse six, that he who began the good work is faithful to complete it. And it is that, that process of continuing to grow and continuing to grow because fruit is always an aspect of growth, right? You either bear good fruit or you bear bad fruit. And he's saying, my prayer is that the fruit that you, that you bear is the fruit of righteousness, that as you grow in your love, as you grow in your, your understanding of who Christ is, that, that you, you may abound in the knowledge. You know, and he said, so he goes forward and he said that you may bear the fruit of righteousness. That means that as we grow, we learn to discern Better between right and wrong, understanding how to withstand temptation, how to withstand what what the enemy would try to pull us into and draw us into. Because James even says that 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 when temptation is just is not the sin, right? It's it's what entices us, but but when it gives gives birth to sin, right? You know, so as we are pulled away by our temptations, it gives birth to sin. And Paul is saying, listen, no, I want you to bear the fruit of righteousness. I want your life to look different than other people's because of the love that you have the love that is that is evidence of our salvation because of this love of jesus that then in turn the righteous good deeds that we do are a, a an overflow of the salvation we receive one of the things one of the ways i've heard it said many times is this that 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 our, we don't do good things because we know jesus we do good things because of the work of jesus in us Right, because of the salvation we received. It's one thing to know somebody and, and be like, hey, buddy, how are you? And you know, we know each other and we have that, communi- that communication, that conversation. It's another thing to have, have, have communion with them, right? to have relationship with them. And because of that relationship, there's that outpour of love towards them. See, our good deeds are an out, outflow and an overflow of the relationship we have with Christ. He's saying, I want the fruit of righteousness. Right? He, I wanna see you bearing the fruit of righteousness as you grow, the growth that you have Let it be the righteousness that comes through Christ alone. I'll pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you, God, for this moment, Lord, for this opportunity to share in your word together. God, to be led of you as we walk through this. Lord, there's so many things that we could have talked about through each and every one of these scriptures. There's so many things that we could have learned and dissected. There's so many things that we could have broke down and and talked through. But Lord, I I pray today, Lord, that we have a greater sense and understanding of what fellowship looks like within the Christian church, Lord. God, I pray that that as, as you speak to us, God, as each and every one of us begin to examine our heart, Lord, I pray that that we recognize, Lord, where we are in this process, Lord, if we need to learn to be thankful for those around us, to be thankful for the family that you have given us, Lord, if, if we need to be better about praying for one another, God, if we need to, to be thankful for the partnership and to have faith, God, in those around us, God, in faith, a greater faith in you, or Lord, if it needs to be expressed through a greater love for one another, God, you see our hearts. You see where we are. Lord, and I pray today that that as we go from here, that there's an understanding of of your love for us. But God, beyond that, that there is an appreciation, God, in how we live for you. Or that we live a life that shows an appreciation for you, God. that, That our love is evidence of our salvation. The way we love others, let it be. And evidence to the world around us of the salvation you've given us. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. This morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna, I wanna take a moment and just, and just stop for a second and say, God, will you examine our hearts? Will you examine our hearts, Lord? Father, do we need to be more thankful for the family that you've given us, for the church you've given us. God, maybe maybe we're thankful and you're saying, you know what, that's, that's not it in your world. Maybe, maybe it's, it's we need to be better about praying for those in our church and lifting them up and encouraging them in the Lord. God, maybe it's that, that we, we, we need to, to show greater faith. Lord thankful for the partnership maybe we need to show greater faith and and understanding that you oh God are completing a good work that you have begun something and you're going to continue that on to completion and putting our faith in that putting our faith and understanding that you oh God are working you are doing the good work and we just want to partner with you we want to come alongside you God maybe it's in our love maybe it's in our love God, maybe we need to love better. Maybe we need to have greater love for one another. Maybe we need to have a greater love for you and being, being, being exemplified through our righteousness, Lord, and the fruit that you're bearing in us or that you're growing in us. This morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask this question. If anyone of you would say, you know what, Pastor Ryan, I'm, I'm in an area in my life, I'm looking at my heart, I'm examining it, and I'm going... Yeah, I I fall into one of those. Maybe maybe you say, you know what? I I need to be more thankful. I need to be better at praying. I need to be better uh, with faith. I need to be better with with loving. If that's you, if you just slip your hand, I wanna pray over you. count of three, one, two, three. I see hands, I see hands, I see hands. I see hands. Let me pray over you. Just believing that God wants to do a greater work in our church. He wants to do a deeper work in our church. And it starts with, fellowship amongst the saints it starts with the fellowship among the believers here it starts with developing this closeness and fellowship with one another so father lord you see every heart You've examined every heart, Father. Some of us may not have responded, and we should have. But 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 you know their heart. You see it, God. You're aware, and they're aware. They recognize it. So even in this moment now, God, I pray that you will allow your Holy Spirit to begin to work. Allow your Holy Spirit to begin to do a new work in their hearts, Father. Whether it's a, a desire to be more thankful, God. Whether it's a desire to be better at praying, not 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 just for themselves, but praying for others and being and being willing to give time to pray for others. God, maybe it's, it's an increase in faith. Maybe it's an increase in our faith and in our, our, our desire to grow in that, Lord, and our desire to understand and put our trust in you fully that you have begun a good work, and you are faithful to complete it. You are faithful to complete it. Or God, maybe it's love. The greatest of these is love. It was out of your love for us that you sent your son that through love we have salvation. So God, maybe it's love where you're dealing with our hearts and saying you need to love better. You need to love me better. You need to love others better. You need to love what the what, what the church is doing better, whatever it may be. God, I pray, Lord, that as you examine our hearts, as you allow us to see the areas that we need to grow, Father, I pray that you speak direct. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have freedom. Have freedom to examine our hearts, freedom to examine our hearts, freedom to examine our minds. Lord, let us be aware of what you're doing. God, I pray for a supernatural outpouring of your spirit in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, in the way we live way we talk, the way we act, oh Lord, let there be a fruit of righteousness as we move forward. Let there be a fruit of righteousness as we carry forward. And so we ask, oh God, that your Holy Spirit will work and move in our hearts so that we do not leave here the same. But God, that we come here and we accomplish what you have set out for us to accomplish today in our hearts and in our lives. So Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will work and work and work in our lives and our hearts we thank you for it God we give you glory and we give you honor for it in Jesus name and now Lord I pray over every person I ask oh God that your Holy Spirit will rest on them that you will go with them that you will bring them back this next week Father I pray that somehow through the rain that we find a chance to enjoy the weather Lord as it cools down on us this week Lord we pray that your Holy Spirit will will go with us And bring us back next week as we come together to worship you as a family, as a body of believers, to bring glory and honor to your name. We thank you for it. We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Grace Hill is always about knowing God and growing in God, and we want to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or a question, you can email us at info at